Welcome back to the Everything Emaw Podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Tillery. I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And before we get started, I just kind of want to acknowledge, like, you might be able to tell that my voice is sounding a little bit off, a little bit higher than normal. I've been really sick this week, and I just wanted to give you guys a heads up in case I have any, like, middle school level voice cracks throughout this podcast. I apologize, but that way I have an excuse and something to blame it on. We'll get into things here. K-State taking on Iowa State this past weekend, and it was a football game where football was played. I'm not going to lie, sitting there watching the game, it felt like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, it just felt like an empty pit watching the game. It felt very reminiscent of the Tulane game where K-State's like, you know, we're not going to ever get much going. We're just going to make one big play, two big plays, and then hopefully we can figure it out down the stretch. And credit to K-State, they did find a way to get a win here. But something about it kind of irks me a little bit, especially off, like, the majority of production in the entire game for K-State came on the first drive. A three-play drive where Adrian Martinez hits Phillip Brooks on a classic Adrian Martinez, you know, break a tackle, stand up in the pocket, scramble, hit a big play down the field, good to go, 7-0. Things looked great. K-State just kind of, like, couldn't match that intensity for the rest of the game. And I don't mean to say that they got steamrolled or anything like that because they were competitive, but it really was just one of those like, okay, our offense isn't going to do anything, and their offense isn't going to do anything. Who's going to make the big play in the end that's going to win the game? And traditionally, watching as a K-State fan, it feels like that's a bad thing with K-State. Like, we never can deliver when we need it. And granted, this season has been a bit of a turnover, a different feel with that, but in years past, It's just this growing concern I have where if it's going to be a dirty or an ugly win, I feel like K-State's not the team to do that. They proved me wrong on Saturday, and I am so glad they did. But it definitely was a, if we can just get out of this game with a win, that's going to be huge. KU loses their first game of the season to TCU. That was a great game if you you were able to watch it. And it left a wide open spot for K-State to win this game and go to first place in the Big 12 sitting at 5-1, and one, going into the bye week. Now, looking through the stats and stuff, I'm not going to bore you here or anything like that. It was underwhelming. It was very underwhelming from just about everybody, with the exception of maybe Adrian Martinez's passing. Something about this game sat wrong with me for the entire duration of the game. I felt great. I felt great early on. First score of the game, get a 3-and-out to start, start the game. First score of the game, great. Basically, by the time Malik Knowles had his big fumble on a massive, massive turn for the Cats. Big play, third and long. Adrian Martinez delivers an absolute strike. Malik Knowles goes forever to score a touchdown here and really open up the board. Knowles gets run down by one of the DBs for Iowa State, and it was a great defensive play. At first, I thought it was just Malik Knowles dropping the ball before he got to the end zone celebrating or something like that, which you see sometimes where players will get to the end zone and they'll just drop the ball. It'll be down for a touchback, and that really sucks. It took an insane play from one of the DBs punching the football out with Malik Knowles at the one, and it wasn't close. They showed the replay, and everybody watching knew, okay, that's Iowa State football. It put an immediate pit in my throat, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, if that's the play we lose on, I am going to be livid with the outcome of this game, especially when the entire fan base has been asking for, okay, where's Malik Knowles? We need some more production out of Malik Knowles. Has his big play there. Huge. Let's go. Giant play. Missed opportunity. Big missed opportunity. 
We'll talk about the good things and bad things that happened in this game. We'll take a look around the Big 12 and a couple of other areas going into the bye week for K-State. All that being said, K-State gets the win 10-9 to over Iowa State, and they're going ahead into the bye week at a great spot in the Big 12. Let's start off with good cat number one. Everybody needs some positivity to start their week off, and we'll start with the good things here. Good cat number one. K-State doesn't have to rush the football to win. They've proved that they can get away with not having much efficiency in the backfield, and they can still pass the football and be effective as a scoring team. They only did score 10 points. So I don't want to sit here and say that it was like they put up 45 and it was an all-out air attack. But Adrian Martinez passed for 246 yards and a score. Martinez would have had a second score with that Malik Knowles play we talked about a couple minutes ago. That's no big deal. Malik Knowles also added a pass on a trick play in this game for 11 yards. But yeah, it was like K-State's identity all season has been this ground-and-pound team where it's Martinez rushing everywhere and Deuce Vaughn being Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn in this game wasn't Deuce Vaughn. Vaughn had 10 carries for 23 yards, and that's it. And he was a little bit banged up, especially in the second half, where the team relied on DJ Giddens, who ran the ball eight times for 32 yards, four yards a carry, and Martinez added 19 carries for 77 yards. There still was some production. Adrian Martinez still had his moments where it was, okay, I got to scramble, get outside the pocket, see what I can do on the run. I think that K-State can be effective passing the football only, the difference is you're not going to beat a team like TCU when you don't have an established ground game. It's really tough to get the looks you want when the other team knows you're either going to, all right, they're going to go QB draw, gain two yards here, or they're going to go all out down the field. And it was still a good day for Martinez. I don't want to like trash the man or anything like that because he was still effective, accounting for a total 323 all-purpose yards. It was a great day to see, and it's always encouraging to see Martinez cut the ball loose. Bad cat number one. So like we mentioned, Deuce Vaughn really didn't do much. 10 carries, 23 yards, and a lot of that was due to his injury, but it was just, it felt like Iowa State came out with an increased focus on stopping Deuce Vaughn, not letting him be the spark that he's been for K-State in years past against Big 12 teams. This was really the first time I can remember since he's played for us, that Vaughn hasn't really been a factor. And I'm sure that if you went back and watched, it would be a little bit different in the sense that, okay, I think if you went back and watched, there's still times where it's like, all right, they're loading the box here. They don't want Vaughn to get out. They don't want Martinez to rush, which does open some passing lanes down the field, and it does impact the game. But in a box score sense, Deuce Vaughn really wasn't there. He was the Third leading rusher for the team, Adrian Martinez, obviously, just about 20 carries, 77 yards. DJ Giddens came in in relief of Deuce Vaughn late in the game and played pretty well, averaging, you know, four yards a carry, eight rushes, 32 yards to really seal out the game in the last couple of minutes. K-State had to convert big first downs. DJ Giddens was a guy. He was having solid, productive runs when K-State needed to get down the field. Vaughn with 10 carries, and I, I don't know what the... I don't know whether they would have kept going to him. I assume K-State still would have gone to him a bunch more in the second half, you know, giving him 10 carries. And I I feel that that Deuce Vaughn factor where he'll, you know, sooner or later he's going to get you. He's going to wear down the defensive front. He's going to get some production. He's going to get something going. But I think for a lot of us fans, it was just kind of like a shot to the heart a little bit. Because this guy, since exploding onto the scene at K-State, has been a Heisman watchlist player. And it's just like, I don't know. It kind of felt like watching a team 
that lost someone that's been there forever. Somebody graduates and there's a giant hole. And I don't want to say that DJ Giddens didn't play well or Martinez didn't do enough because K-State still got the win. DJ Giddens converted first downs. But it just felt like part of K-State's rushing attack was missing. And I think, honestly, a little bit, I have this working theory that that probably affected Iowa State's game plan a little bit still down the stretch because they don't have to stack the front so heavy. I mean, you don't have to watch the run the same way you would if Deuce Vaughn's back there. Obviously, it's still, you know, everyone in the Big 12 is going to be a pretty solid player. Someone's already been the guy at their high school getting into college. DJ Giddens, Kansas kid, had a great high school career, gets to K-State, and really has been productive this season. I think I think in the next couple of years, Giddens is really going to take that jump with Vaughn either staying another year or declaring this year. We'll have to see how the season finishes up. It's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a position to watch for the Cats. But yeah, no Deuce Vaughn in this game, and it was a little bit shocking for all the fans. Good cat number two. K-State can win ugly. I want to start by saying there's a difference between an ugly game and a sloppy game. This game falls into the ugly category. The sloppy games are multiple turnover games, bad play calling, bad designs, bad whatever, bad concepts. This game wasn't, like, there wasn't a problem with this game. Obviously, the Malik Knowles fumble was pretty bad, but it wasn't to the point where everything is just looking terrible the entire game. K-State still played a pretty solid game. It's just a dogfight. The Wildcats in the past haven't had that extra gear to, okay, when the going gets tough, we're going to step up and make a play. It's really been kind of like a, if the offense isn't moving, if the defense isn't stopping anybody, it's going to stay like that for the rest of the day. There's not really a momentum change for K-State. This game, K-State didn't have to flip that switch. The entire game, they were locked in. It wasn't great, but they did enough. The defense got stops when they needed to, and at times, Iowa State's offense looked really dangerous. Iowa State is one of the better defenses in the entire Big 12, and K-State still was able to put up some points and have some big plays. Like, if Knowles goes in for the touchdown, 17 points, on a pretty effective defense, like, that's still not the worst. K-State did enough to win and prove that when it gets to that point where those Big 12 games where you're not just lighting it up and going 48-42 or, you know, 45-37 or something like that, a lot of these games are decided in the trenches. It showed watching that game that, hey, this is never going to be pretty. This is not a pretty game, but we're not going to let it slip because things feel weird. And in the Tulane game, that was an ugly game for K-State. K-State disappeared. There wasn't any of that, all right, let's fight, let's get back into this. This is our chance. K-State showed up with a big fourth down stop to get Iowa State off the field and seal the game and some last-minute drive conversions where we need a first down to to win the game. K-State proved they can win ugly and that's a great sign going forward in the Big 12. Bad cat number two. Now, I've mentioned it multiple times already, but the Malik Knowles fumble was terrifying. Very not good in this game. To set the scene, on a 69-yard touchdown pass, or what should have been, Malik Knowles makes a great catch. Adrian Martinez scrambles, finds a spot. Knowles is running with the defender behind him, and it looks like it's just him. He's going to walk into the end zone. Everything's cool. The defensive back for Iowa State catches up to Knowles. Knowles just kind of faded out towards the end of the run and makes a Charles Tillman-esque punch on the football, punches the ball out before Malik Knowles gets to the goal line, fumbles the football. Knowles tries to jump on top of it, recover it, splits out behind him. Iowa State recovers. They have a touchback. This was a massive swing for both teams. That touchdown would have put K-State up 14-6 in this game. And because of the fumble, 
Iowa State got the football at their 20 and had a chance to go take the lead in this game. And I don't want to like shame Malik Knowles or anything because this, this, unfortunately this happens. When a great play is made, you can't really blame the guy. But Knowles was quoted in saying, I was just running and didn't finish the play. I kind of lost where the defender was at, and I thought I was fully into the end zone with nobody else but me. I've just got to focus on the details and finish the play. Which, it sounds like he's taking it the right way. He's not beating himself up too much. I'm sure that, you know, coaches and everybody have kind of hyped up. Especially, like, when you get the win, it makes plays like that a little bit less drastic, less important. And I know that it could have been the play that everybody remembers in the Farmageddon showdown. Everyone could have remembered that. Thankfully, K-State's able to put it together, find a win, and hopefully, if nothing else, I think Knowles affecting the game in Big 12 play should at least be a confidence boost. I hope that he doesn't take it to the... I hope he doesn't go down the path of, okay, the last time I had the football in my hands, I fumbled. I don't want to do anything like that. Got to protect it. Got to be careful. Got to. And then he overthinks it, gets it punched out. Something happens randomly. He's a good football player. He's got to get back to it, and I'm looking for him to score. When we do eventually see TCU, I'm looking for him to be a big factor in that game. Good cat number three. K-State is entering the bye week sitting at first place in Big 12 football. Looking at the standings here, obviously TCU is looking to be a pretty dang good team. K-State and TCU meet up after K-State's bye week here. TCU currently undefeated and is looking very dangerous. They beat KU 38-31 this past week. KU did lose Jalen Daniels. And their backup quarterback came in and balled out. So K-State's currently sitting at the top of the Big 12 play. 3-0 overall in conference. Oklahoma State sitting right behind them. Then TCU, then KU. Those are the top four in the Big 12. Then Texas with a massive win over OU. OU sitting at 0-3 in conference play in the Big 12. Just wanted to highlight that real quick. K-State, for the rest of the way out, I think the back half of their schedule is significantly tougher than the front half. But it's good to see that we didn't give any games away, minus the Tulane game. Tulane also, the loss feels a little bit better because they're still beating teams. I think currently they're ranked, uh, they were evaluated around 31 through coaches' polls. They're getting close to being ranked, which actually uh, bodes pretty well for K-State. Hopefully K-State can show up against TCU. That game will put a lot of people on watch. But for the moment, K-State's headed into the bye week at the right time. As it sits right now, K-State, four of their next six games are against top 25 teams. Right after the bye, they meet 13th-ranked TCU, following that with 8th-ranked Oklahoma State, 22nd-ranked Texas. Then they go on a, a Baylor run, which Baylor is still a good team, even though they are unranked. Baylor's still dangerous, for sure. West Virginia, not one of the better teams in the Big 12. That's kind of the, I don't want to say easier game, but that's a game that could be considered a trap game for K-State. And then we close up the season with 19th-ranked KU. That is going to be a massive game in Manhattan, and in my heart, a lot of me hopes that game day makes an appearance in Manhattan for KUK State, but it's going to depend on what the back half of the season looks like. Bad cat number three, and this one is really not great. K-State suffered some big injuries in that last game against Iowa State. The big one everybody's looking for is Deuce Vaughn. How severe is that injury? Nothing's really come out yet. Deuce Vaughn was removed from the football game last week, and it'll be interesting because if Deuce Vaughn can't go, it's going to affect how every defense in the Big 12 is going to play K-State. Other injuries, Khalid Duke, Felix Andudike Uzama, both coming out of the game at times. Felix did return in this game. Khalid Duke, done for the day. A big part of our pass rush is these two outside guys. Felix, we've seen what he can do. Khalid Duke, we've seen what he can do. But losing your two best pass rushers is terrible timing. The silver lining to this one 
is that K-State is entering the bye week where they have two weeks to rest, to recover, to get guys right, and see where we're at from there. Hopefully in the next couple of days, I'm sure Kleiman will talk about it, see where the injury reports are at with, with Deuce, Felix, and Khalid. It'll be interesting to watch, and hopefully K-State can get their guys back and ready to go in time for TCU because they're going to need all three. So with K-State being on a bye week, I don't really have much to look ahead to. A lot of the sports books don't have their actual line out yet for K-State, TCU. We will learn a lot more about TCU this week when they match up with OSU. So I think we're going to look around the Big 12, see what those lines are, and I'll give you some advice on different spreads here. Um, let's start off with that TCU game. TCU is taking on OSU. TCU is currently a four-point favorite. Um, I don't... This is a tough one because OSU is a really good team. But TCU also has shown up. I think TCU's defense... I think while TCU is still a really good team, TCU's defense still leaves a lot to be desired, I think, in the secondary. I would end up going OSU plus four here. That would be my pick for that game. Then looking at the one that everybody's been talking about, KUOU. KU is an eight-point underdog in this game, and OU hasn't won a game in the Big 12 yet. And I know what they're saying. Everybody's saying, all right, it's OU. They're going to figure it out at some point. And I believe that. I do. But an eight-point spread... For a team like KU, who has not only shown, like, it's not a gimmick this year. It's not a gimmick. They're a talented team. The quarterback that came in against TCU and balled out, KU's got a chance. I didn't see the severity of Jalen Daniels' injury, so I don't know whether he's playing this week or not. Either way, I like KU plus eight. I feel like that's a free one. But then again, you know, maybe OU figures it out. Maybe they do. It's still OU. It's still KU, I guess, in theory. But it feels like a different year. It feels like a different team. So, just to clarify, Jason Bean last week comes in for Jalen Daniels and shines. So, Jalen Daniels played the first part of the game, left early. He went 5 of 10 for 89 yards. Jason Bean comes in and goes 16 of 24 in relief of Jalen Daniels. 262 yards and four scores with one pick. That's a great game, man. He showed up and delivered. I think Jason Bean's a pretty talented kid, and I don't see him just forgetting how to play football next week against OU. I like KU in this one plus eight. Next game, Texas, Iowa State. Texas is currently coming off of a massive win. A shutout victory, 49-0 over OU. Texas is favored by 16.5 in this game. And it's tough because with Quinn Ewers back, he's a stud. Everybody can see that. Everybody knows this kid's a stud. Iowa State has played a lot of close games the last couple of weeks. 16.5 is a lot of points, but Texas's team is geared for that. I hate taking spreads, genuinely, just about me, I hate taking spreads when they're over, like, 12. I don't like the idea of having it be a two-score spread. That always terrifies me a little bit. Um, and I think Iowa State, it's going to depend on how they rebound, because they're going to have something to prove. You lose to KU, you lose to K-State, you got to be pissed. Got to be pissed. And Texas is a good team. Jumping from unranked to the 22nd team in the nation, I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to go Iowa State plus 16.5. This could be a terrible take. That's where I'm going on that one. And the last game in Big 12 play, Baylor minus 3.5 versus West Virginia. For no reason at all, besides the fact that I don't really like West Virginia's team this year, I'm going Baylor minus 3.5. I'm not going to back that up. So that's the one I'm not that confident about. So if you want to ride with me, you're welcome to. Uh, but that has been this week's Everything Emaw podcast. I'll have a little bit more as that game gets closer. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you for powering through. I know my voice hasn't been the most appealing today, but I appreciate you. appreciate all the support. Our K-State Wildcats are currently 17th in the nation, getting ready for a massive, massive matchup with TCU. 
We should see something here soon. I'm excited. It's a thrill to be in Manhattan. Thank you for listening. Go Cats.